to John chapter 13. That is where we will be tonight. Last week we looked at Mark's version of the Passover meal, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, however you refer to it. Tonight we will look at John's version of what happened. Uh, That occurs in John chapter 13, the first 15 verses. Um, uh, Let me read a quote to you from this book right here. It's called Total Church, and it's up here because I'm going to read a a more extended piece of it. uh, But uh, this this quote uh, really summarizes the, the... the gist of, of where I want to go tonight with the message and where God has led my heart. And, and really, it, it summarizes even a, even a vision for who we are as a church. North Church exists, and, and it, uh, this, this summarizes it anyway. It says this, The church exists both through and for the gospel. The problem is the gap between our rhetoric and the reality of our practice. Uh, Ultimately, we are here together as a body of believers because of the gospel. We exist through the gospel. It's what gives us life. It gives us reason to come together and associate together. It gives us reason to come together as a church, to, to worship together, to give to the community together, to, to hear the word together, to study the word together, to, to do life together. The gospel is the reason that we do that. But it's also the, the reason that we are here. It's our mission as well. So we exist through the gospel and for the gospel. The purpose that we're here is to go and communicate the gospel to ourselves, communicate the gospel to each other, and then communicate the gospel to the world outside of, of these these walls, uh, metaphoric walls, these the people who, who call themselves North Church and outside of, of that group of people, we are to go and proclaim the gospel to those people. The problem is in the church, in this church particular, in the church globally, is that the rhetoric of that most of the time doesn't match the practice of that. You follow that? I think churches all over the, the planet would say, yeah, we exist because of the gospel and we, we exist to proclaim the gospel. But how much of that is actually practiced within the church and outside of the church? So that's what I want to want to get at tonight. And it's the, the motivation behind our series on on advent is to to bridge that gap to put our money where our mouth is and and a lot of the a lot of my my focus and my mission for the last few weeks and the in the coming months is to to really clarify why we are here the the purpose that we all gather together in this place on Sunday nights and then we all gather together in in homes throughout the week sharing life with each other why are we around and this Advent series gives feet to that rhetoric, gives, that, gives practice to that rhetoric. And so it's, it's the gospel here around Christmas time is, is beautiful because we are so enthralled with this idea of Jesus coming to this planet, living this life and being born to teenage parents in a dusty, dirty barn and, and leaving the beauty of heaven and, and coming to live in our sin-soaked nasty world where he would become betrayed and and dishonored and crucified and die and and all of those things only to rise against so that we might have relationship with God. That's the the beauty that we get to see in Christmas time and it's crazy you can turn on 
get in your car tonight and turn on 102.5. It's the soft rock station, but they're playing Christmas music already. It, it, it's great because you can listen to secular radio and theology just pumped through it over and over again. These people think they're listening to the silent night, but really they're getting theology taught to them. And it's, it's fantastic because the world is, is open and accepting to this gospel in ways that they aren't normally open and accepting to it. And so this understanding of Advent and, and our push for it that we're going to kind of lay out tonight and, and go along with what Christ is teaching is the, the personification of this rhetoric mission that, that we have. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So we, gos- we gather for the gospel and we gather through the gospel uh, and we also gather to proclaim this message. So we come to John's gospel, his version of the Passover. Uh, we studied it in detail last week, but, but this week uh, John adds something very different than than Mark related to us that we talked about last week. So John chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, by the way, feel free to, to, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on either side of you if you want to grab one and, and uh, flip to John 13, or if you just want to take one home with you, uh, nobody's going to be bothered. Stand up and go grab one if you feel like it. Uh, John 13, verse 1. Now, before the Passover, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John sets this up. Here's what's happening. Jesus knows he has to leave and he's about to leave and he wants to, to show these men, to give these men a long-lasting memory of love and not just that but to give them an act of love that shows him serving them mission of christ is not just about loving people it's about serving them loving them through through serving them and you'll see what i mean in in just a second it gives them this to serve as an act of love as a directive for our life and for our mission and for our vision And, and here make no mistake about this christ is about to leave the planet Okay, God's plan from all of, since Adam and Eve sinned and the world fell, God's plan from that moment until this one that we're reading about, it's been about Jesus coming to this planet to die and to resurrect and to bring life back to the earth. And Jesus is going to leave that message, the redemption plan of all of mankind for all of history to these 12 guys. So what's happening here is vital. Jesus is like, I'm going to leave and the, the redemption of mankind rests upon you 12 guys. So I want to communicate to you how to do this, and I want to communicate it very well so we can see this great big redemption plan of God and the mission that God gives these 12 people. We can connect with it for us and for our sake. It's to go and love and to go and serve as Jesus loved and served, and his mission were these 12 people. Verse 2. During supper... When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I want to say just for a second, a lot of times we see communion, we see the Lord's Supper is what we'll take later on. where We dip, take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice, and it's wine and bread. This feast is a huge lamb. It is like, think of the, your Thanksgiving feast you're going to have on Thursday and this massive amount of food. This is what this supper is. So what's happening here is not just bread and drink. This is a massive feast where these guys are gorging themselves and gorging themselves saying thank you to God okay that's what the Passover is and it's very similar for us in our Thanksgiving we're giving thanks to God for providing for us so when it says during supper 
That's what it's talking about, not just bread and a glass of juice or wine. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and they had come from God and was going back to God. Again, Jesus knows exactly what's coming. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Don't let the familiarity with this passage ruin what just happened. Thanksgiving feast happens. The center of attention stands up, takes his clothes off, wraps a towel around his waist. That's what just happened. Middle of dinner, imagine you and cousins and whatever sitting around dinner. Dad stands up, takes his clothes off, puts a towel around his waist. Something big is about to happen. Okay? It says he took his outer garments off. I don't know what, you know, what undergarments look like or were this time. All I know is Jesus took his outer garments off. Verse 5. It's okay to chuckle at naked Jesus. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Again, naked Jesus, he's got a towel around him and he's drying them off with a towel that's covering him up. This is a very intimate thing that's happening. All right? Not only is it intimate because Jesus is using the towel that's covering him, but it's intimate because physically and metaphorically, feet were undignified, they were defiled, they were gross, they thought, this, our, my feet are the things that take me into sin. These are metaphorically defiled and are also physically defiled because shoes were sandals and they were, you know, it's a desert and it's just nasty, nasty feet, both physically and metaphorically. And Jesus, the Son of God, who will be dead in about 36 hours from this moment, is washing their feet. Nearly naked. This is a beautiful, intimate moment. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? No, God, Jesus, don't wash my feet. Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand, but you will, afterward you will understand. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Key verse we'll get back to in a second. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but only, only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Are you clean? But not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus washed even Judas's feet. Judas is going to rise from the supper and go and sell out this loving, perfect Jesus for a, 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 just a tiny bit of money. He's going to go sell him out. And hours after this, this meeting happens, and Jesus still washes his feet. We need to be serving even the most nasty people in our lives even the ones that are disgusting, and will sell us out for a little bit of money. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? He went back and started eating again. He puts his clothes back on and goes back and starts eating again. Very surreal, very strange stuff that's happened. It's in the middle of dinner. He washes their feet and then he stands up and puts his clothes back on and starts eating his lamb again. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, 
for so I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. That's the passage. What can we draw from it? What, what things can we see Jesus doing? Four things that Jesus is doing here that we can draw our attention from. First, Jesus is, Jesus' mission was relational. He spent three years with these guys. Up close, in direct relationship with these three, with these twelve guys, and he's about to leave the planet and, and leave this ministry over to them. Jesus is a relational God. His mission is relational. Um, I'll talk more about this as, as we close tonight, but the, one of the, Dave has already mentioned these gift bags that are here, but the, uh, the point of them is, let me read, uh, Kyle put this together. Didn't Kyle do a great job of this thing? Way to go, Kyle. It's, it's beautiful. Um, I want to read a little excerpt from this. This is from like the, the preface or the beginning of it. This booklet is a study that is written to experience the Christmas season in a deeper way. It is designed to help you connect with the coming of Jesus. We will center our study on four concepts that Jesus' that Jesus's coming brought to the world. Hope, joy, peace, and love. What this is, is a study through the book of Advent. Every, every day, starting on November the 30th, the first, day of, the first day of Advent is the first Sunday in Advent, which is a week from today. So this book will start that following Monday, November the 30th, where you read a piece of, of, of this book each day. And, and it's written with the understanding, the idea that you would do this together with someone. You would connect with, with somebody. Maybe there's somebody you work with. Maybe there's somebody that's across the street from you. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe they're a believer. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're thinking about the things of Jesus. Maybe they're not. But here's the deal. In this season, everybody is having some sort of thoughts about who Christ is. You can't escape it. You can listen to music all over the place. You can watch TV all over the place. And, and it's, it is overwhelming us. And this is designed for us to be relational in our mission just as Jesus was. We have a bunch of these back there. And what's in here is a New Testament and one of these. And uh, just sort of invitation in, in times of, of when we actually meet because our services are going to center around those four key concepts of of the Advent season. And so the purpose of these gift bags is this. You to take one, two, three, four, ten with you. Give them to people on your street. Give them to people that you work with. Whatever. But invite them then to connect with you as you do studying this season. What is What did Jesus' coming mean to this earth? What did it mean to this planet? What it meant is hope has now come. Peace has now come. Joy has now come. And love has now come. And it's not just... Telling the story of you know the the wise men and the shepherds on the hill, and it's not just over and over telling that. It's it's real life hope, real life peace and joy that's coming, and what Jesus brought to the world, and how we can connect with that. And for us to see beyond Santa Claus and Christmas trees, and see beyond even uh, a manger and wise men, and and see to what it is that Jesus coming to this planet actually brought to us and to walk alongside people with that because this great story of Jesus coming to this planet really is step one in the redemption plan of mankind and for us to be able to 
begin to communicate those things to people around us. Because, after all, we are together because of the gospel, and we were together for the gospel. This is the for the gospel piece. This is where the rhetoric meets the practice for us to, to take these bags, to take these booklets. And there's a bunch of booklets outside of the bags. If you want to take several just the booklets, whatever. It's designed to help us to put our money where our mouth is, to put our practice where our rhetoric is, to really give us a tangible vision and a mission to hold on to and be just like Jesus, being on mission relationally. We talked originally, when we, when we saw this, uh, it's, it's a, a mission that, that a, a, a group of, of churches throughout the country are putting together, this bag, and their idea is to go hang them on doorknobs, and our idea is different than that. We're not going to go hang these on doorknobs sporadically and hope that somebody comes and takes them and sees it. It's just, we're going to take these, door, these things and set them on doorknobs and be relational with those people as Christ was relational with these people. That's our, our vision for, for this and our purpose for this. The second thing, Jesus' mission was to serve. I want to go back and read verses 5 through 8 again. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and began to wipe them and the towel that was wrapped around them. Again, metaphorically and physically defiled our feet. Jesus is serving these guys. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but you will afterwards. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Our mission is not just relational, but our mission is to serve. And one of the things that we're going to do to serve this, each, each week from now and for the next four weeks, we're going to be communicating and talking about this thing called Advent Conspiracy. Where we're, going to, we're going to focus on pushing ourselves outside of Santa Claus and Christmas trees and more about this stuff. Jeff, hit that little clip. So, our vision is, is just what, what that said. Uh, a lot of you guys know uh, a ministry from a, a friend of some of you guys uh, called His Voice. His Voice for Sudan. And His Voice for Sudan is connecting with what has become an epidemic in the country of Sudan. Uh, and it is uh, orphans. There are, I think the number is like 890,000 orphans in the Sudan alone. And it's become an epidemic. And uh, there's a guy that has created and, and began this ministry and, and started two orphanages in the, in the Sudan. And they do many things, uh, provide homes and food and care to these orphans and to uh, widows. They're, obviously, you know, it's, it's a, there's uh, a massive problem with AIDS in this area. And uh, just to begin to educate and and to provide homes for these orphans and these widows. And basically, there's two orphanages, and, and there's, uh, I, I don't know the numbers exactly. We'll, we'll get more specifics about it as, as we continue to go along. Uh, but beginning next week, you'll get an, an opportunity to, to give to uh, His Voice for Sudan. And it, the, the premise is this Advent conspiracy premise, is that we, we, we spend less on gifts like the sweater she's not going to wear, and, and spend more time giving of ourselves relationally and giving of what we would have bought useless gifts uh, 
giving that away to to other countries and to, to less fortunate people. And this, the orphanages in Sudan provide uh, education. The, the the vision for his voice is that every orphan that comes in and lives with them, they would be able to pay for that student to go to that kid to go to college. Uh, and so, bringing them off the streets and bringing them off of a life where they are very likely to acquire AIDS or very likely to to become a widow themselves if it's a if it's a girl and or to to die of AIDS for the for the for the boys and, and to to rise up and it's just just an ugly situation and also to, to provide fresh clean water for these orphanages and and that's the starting next week we're going to give you guys an opportunity to to give to that and I say that now leading up to this time of season when we're out running around shopping malls and and uh, trying to do the stuff that we're, we're trying to do. And Black Friday is going to come and, and people are going to wake up at 4 a.m. and go out and shop and, and spend money they don't need to spend because the world is pressing consumerism upon them. And we are going to try, along with other churches all, around, all across the country, from Portland to, to Miami, and, and to, to conspire to combat consumerism. And, and I, I encourage you to maybe even set your alarm on Black Friday to wake up and pray. Not wake up and go shop, but wake up and pray. That the consumerism that our world is, that our country is obsessed with, would become obsessed with who Jesus is. And we would become obsessed not with the 50 cent DVD that I bought, but instead obsessed with the $5 I can send to to give a, a kid a month worth of water to drink that's clean. And that's the, the passion that, that we are going to push forth and press forth. And every, every week, if you bring somebody during, to North Church during the Advent set season, you're going to see videos like this, videos of, of his voice and stuff that they put together so that we can serve on mission relationally and be on mission through serving people like these orphans in the Sudan. So two things. First, Jesus' mission was relational. And secondly, his mission was to serve. And here's our opportunity to be relational on mission and to serve on mission. The third thing, Jesus' mission was to wash us for our inheritance. Verse 8. Read it twice already. Read it again. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Don't miss the purpose of Christ. The purpose of Christ is not just so that we would feel bad for Sudanese kids who are broke and fatherless, motherless, and wandering the streets of Sudan likely to develop AIDS. It's not just to make us feel bad about that. The real reason that Christ came to this earth was to wash us for our inheritance, to give us Jesus, to give us God, We exist through the gospel. Jesus is taking a dirty man, Peter, making him clean. Listen closely to that. Listen to the verse again. Jesus is taking a dirty man and making him clean. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. The gospel is we are a world of dirty people. Our feet are physically and metaphorically unclean. Here's Jesus washing them physically and metaphorically so that we can have relationship 
with God. Jesus' mission is to wash us for our inheritance. I want to read some verses to you. John 10.10 The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's Jesus speaking his mission. His, His main purpose for coming to this planet. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Next time you sit down to to watch television, look at the commercials. Every one of them. There's something wrong with you and the product that I have is going to fix what's wrong with you and you'll be right. You'll be made right. It's a lie that the world tries to teach us. It's marketing 101. What's wrong with us is we are the... Jesus came to give us life so that we can be with God. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Colossians 1.20 And through Him to reconcile Himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We are at war with God pre-Christ. Christ comes and gives peace to us. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by our faith, justified is a legal term, we can stand before God right. A criminal stands before a judge, and a judge, the jury says, we find you not guilty, you have been justified. You are not guilty. But not just not guilty, but that record has been totally expunged. It didn't exist. Your crime did not, what you were accused of did not happen. We have been justified by our faith in Christ. And because of that, we have peace with God. This is who Christ is and what He came to this planet to give. We are here. Now our action step is to pray for and seek out, plan and pray for gospel-centered relationships. This is what my heart and plan and purpose for our for our Advent push is for us to plan for and pray for gospel-centered relationships. My heart is that you would be connecting, even as I speak, with somebody on your block, somebody whose cubicle is next to yours, that needs to know, needs to see this, needs to understand that Jesus came to this planet to wash us, to cleanse us, to give us life with God so that we could be justified, so that we could have this abundant life that John 10 talks about, so that we can serve relationally so that we can serve missionally these people. The fourth thing, Jesus' mission is our mission. We exist for the gospel. We exist through the gospel. I want to say a very simple phrase and listen to it. In order to be like Jesus, we have to be like Jesus. I hope we come to church. I hope we read our Bible. I hope we... we have community with each other and pray. And all the stuff that we do, all the religious activity that we do, I hope we do it so that we can be more like Jesus. And if we're going to be like Jesus, here, this this message, this exegesis of, of John 13 is about, okay, what was Jesus about? He was about serving people. He was about being relational with people. He was about washing them, giving to them. Jesus' mission is our mission. Uh, the other night, 
Last night, I have a good friend named Chris who had a, a surprise 40th birthday party. And uh, in that, that birthday party, we had uh, we, we first walked, walked in the door, and Chris wasn't there yet, and then Chris gets there, and so everybody kind of got this huge house upstairs and downstairs, and we, uh, on every one of the tables all throughout the, the house is a big bowl of, of popcorn, and it's the same popcorn that, that we have here tonight. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask Jen a couple of questions. Jen was really mesmerized by that, by that popcorn. Have anybody had the popcorn yet tonight? It's really good, huh? Yeah. You'll, uh, if you haven't, you'll know what I'm talking about. After the service, you go and grab some. Or if you really want to go now, you can go ahead now. The popcorn that, that, that I'm talking about, is just, it looks just like white popcorn. I think I got a, a little cup. Oh, you already ate it? Thanks. <laughs> it looks, looks like a, a white kernel of popcorn. <laughs> it looks just like a white kernel of popcorn. So it's very strange, very odd. Thank you. There's some leftover in there? Remnants. Look, this looks like regular popcorn, right? So I walk up to my wife, and she goes, here, you got to try this. And she hands me a single kernel of popcorn. And I'm like, I've had popcorn before. What are you, why are you giving me one piece of popcorn? And I, I popped it in my mouth, and oh, wow, that's weird. That's, wow, that's really good. So, so then what did you start thinking after that? All right, excellent. You gotta find it, and that is my cheesy way of, of saying this. <laughs> so many times, a message like this, a Christmas season like this, makes us feel. You know, I, I show you, we spend four hundred and fifty billion dollars on Christmas, and ten million dollars would solve the world's thirst problem, the the clean water problem, and talk about these Sudanese children and AIDS, and you know. 890,000 orphans in, in the Sudan and all this stuff, and I make you feel bad and make you, you know, want to want to tear up and want to just, you know, go and like sell all your possessions and I, and and I'm talking about the relationships that you're building with the guy in your cubicle and and all this stuff, and it's not it's not a religious thing, it's not a I feel compelled to do this because my pastor talked to me or he preached about this and so I feel like I need to go and do this. It is. Jen has this popcorn that's amazing. And the first thing she decides to do is say, everybody around me, you need to, you need to eat this. It's great. And then I walk up. Her husband, you've got to have this. It's fantastic. And then uh, her mind after that, after everybody around her has tried this thing, she says, this, my, church, my, my family, the people that I love, I've got to make it for them. I gotta, and this is the, the whole purpose of, of this is Jen's popcorn story. You know? It's not a religious compulsion. It is not, I want to please God. This is, I'm going to, God's going to like me better this week because I invited six people to church or I passed out six Advent bags or, or I, I walked side by side with my, my brother who doesn't know Christ through this Advent book this, this year. God's going to like me better. Or, I, I passed them all up and down my block. I gave everybody one. I knocked on the door and told them about it and engaged them. I didn't just not hang it on a doorknob and take off. I engaged them relationally. Or I gave $400 this Christmas. Instead of buying a bunch of gifts for my kids, I bought, spent $400 to send a, his voice for Sudan. It, so God would like me better. It's so completely not about that. It's about 
experiencing God and Christ in a real way and having Him wash you and understand that the life that He gives is life abundant. And the, the, the cleanliness that He provides allows us to have relationship with God. And the, the beauty that's there motivates us to engage people relationally, to engage people in a servant way, and to, and to just be like Jesus, to be on mission like Jesus was on mission. You follow that? We have come to grips with this beautiful thing, this chocolate-covered popcorn, and we want to give it away. And that's the purpose behind this vision, this gospel-centered, relationship-driven vision. I want to read one passage from this book as we close. It says this, The vast majority of Christians have not been helped to see that who they are and what they do every day in schools, workplaces, or clubs is significant to God. I'll read that again. The vast majority of Christians have not been helped to see that who they are and what they do every day in schools, workplaces, or clubs is significant to God, nor that the people they spend time with in those everyday contexts are the people that God is praying, calling them to pray for and to bless. So, we pray for our Sunday school teachers, but not, for example, the school teachers working 40 hours a week among children and adults who on the whole don't know Jesus. We pray for our overseas missionaries. We pray for the people in Sudan. But we don't pray for Christian electricians Builders, shop assistants, and managers in our towns. We simply have not been envisioned and resourced and supported to share the good news of Jesus in our everyday contexts. And that is, I read that after this whole Advent mission idea concept for us came about. But it speaks perfectly what this whole thing is about. Is to begin... To, to walk relationally and serving, servant-wise with people in our context that God has placed us in. That is the point of here. So here in front of you is an opportunity to live out mission, to live out vision, to engage people with this season who are ready and willing to be engaged. A lot of times I think we stray away from people because, well, religion is just not something you want to bring up. It's because they're going to be offended by it. Maybe some people are going to be offended by it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, to be like Jesus, we are to connect this way. But more than that, I think we lie to ourselves to think that there's a culture out there that's not interested, inquisitive about the things of God. I, I, in fact, I know that to be true from the last three months of my life. I've been engaging people that I had never considered to engage, and I'm the Facebook pastor of three people that I went to high school with who I always thought had no no connection to God whatsoever. And I've been able to connect with them and, and sort of pastor them in a digital sort of way. And this world is prime and ready. We're fearful of, of how they would respond to us when they're ready to respond. And And more than that, this season, you can turn on the radio and hear doctrine being preached. 
God is calling you, He's calling us to live for the gospel and through the gospel. And that's our mission, that's our vision, that's our purpose behind this Advent stuff, this push for us. Now we have an opportunity to go and see a real tangible way to hold it and to go and begin to engage people in our, in our context. Let's, uh, let's pray and we'll have our time of response. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray now that you would engage our hearts, Father. And Lord, this this message, this season, would not be religious. But instead, it would be pleasing to you, God. I pray that we would not become so busy doing that we would miss what you're doing in our hearts, God, and through our hearts. God, I I pray for everyone in this room, God, that you would impress upon each of us one or two or a few people, God, to, to begin to engage this season, Father and beyond. Engage with your gospel. And Lord, I pray for favor for each of us as we engage those relationships, God. Lord, we trust you. We want to please you, Father. We want to be like Jesus. God, equip us to live out the mission for our lives. In Christ's perfect name, amen.